0: what's up fight fan welcome to mma daily the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts it is monday july 25th 2022 and this week's episode blockbuster fall precedes ufc 277 we'll be talking about the this past saturday's event In London between Curtis, headlined by Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall, and we'll touch on the big winners from Saturday. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Some really big blockbuster pay-per-views have been announced, and they might be some of the biggest fights of the year. So we'll have plenty to talk about. Since we skipped last week's show, we'll also look back on UC Long Island, what's next for the featherweight and women's flyweight division, and we'll top it off by talking about this coming Saturday's pay-per-view, the rematches for the women's bantamweight title, Juliana Pena against Amanda Nunes, and for the men's flyweight title, Brandon Moreno against Kai kara France. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio
1: double G welcome back cheerio as they say
0: oh thank and, you uh, thanks mate
1: You <laughs> a little Australian on me there oh my um,
0: gosh no, did they you drink a too. lot of
1: tea or it was it was probably too hot for tea right it was uh it was like uh 98 degrees over there they couldn't seem to handle it in, in Europe uh, let,
0: let me tell you something <laughs> it's just humid like okay. their, their their town is just not built for that level of heat consistently but uh, long story short, I was there, and the biggest thing that happened was that um, the day in question was like the hottest day in London. It was about 102 degrees Fahrenheit. They, they, wow. they work by different numbers, but I made sure to you know, do the conversion <laughs> yeah. so I could That's understand right. what I'm in for. It was hot most of the day their trains especially the underground trains let me just tell you something no air conditioning so you can imagine the stuffiness was just fantastic but then it still cooled off and it still even drizzled in the evening so i was like that's it you know so but yes when you watch the news they were like all is lost in the morning and then and then it cooled off in the the evening anyway yeah yeah
1: (laughs) The uh, the palace guards with their big bear hats and uh, you know, nobody has air conditioning. I was very worried for you, but you assured me that you were... Oh,
0: you I, 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 I will say this respectfully. I, w- I was in areas where I was just fine. I think for other people, especially in a different part of the city, they had it. But for myself, when I went through it, I was like, when it started raining in the evening, I was like, wait, really? You know. So I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little surprised, truth be told. But, okay. you know, it, it was cooling off as the week went on. So I am happy for them because I do know that more than the inconvenience, it was really harsh on a lot of people who aren't used to it. So for sure, my, my wishes go out. Everyone in London was absolutely lovely. Locals, business people, all of it. It was a great experience. But we're not here to talk about my trip. We're here to talk about the fights. <laughs> okay. um, thankfully, the main event, or I shouldn't say thankfully, but... Let's just say like it is there wasn't a lot to dissect outside of the reaction and the heartbreak Um Curtis blades Tom Aspinall 15-second fight Uh, Just quite bluntly. I'm not gonna act like there was anything to dissect They were both revving up Tom goes for the kick It looks like whatever happened happened when he brought his leg back down It looks like he was just off balance and this is a 6'5 250 pound guy Uh, If anything goes wrong, it's very easy to happen if you're not being careful, and it's already chaos in a cage fight, so... No word yet, a lot of people are speculating the MCL, but the fact is, his fight with Curtis Blades is essentially a non-starter. However, technically speaking, it does still get recorded as a TKO victory for Curtis. Um, Natalie, you sat down, you tune in, I don't know if you had the results first or not, so I'm gonna just ask you... You see that unfold. You see Tom get hurt in front of his hometown
1: fans. How did you react? Oh, man, I was so bummed out, shocked, disappointed. And, you know, it's in your head, you're thinking, again, we just had one. I know we'll get into it later, but we just had one the prior week. Uh, I didn't watch it live, but I did not. I was not aware of the results. So sometimes I cheat a little bit when I, when I go into the app, ESPN app to watch and I look at the time codes. And I was like, oh, seven minutes. I was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> Someone's getting knocked out. Uh, so super disappointed to see why it was so short. You feel for both fighters. And coming off of the just the energy that, that I can't wait to hear about from you, but the energy built up in the crowd from some other fighters that will, uh, I'm sure everyone knows who we're talking about, some other fighters that, that had great victories, and Tom Aspinall is also one of those people that can deliver in that way. So we're expecting something amazing. Curtis Blades, to my eye, looks great. He's throwing some really, really slick one-twos. You know, who knows how this fight would have played out. But it did look like they were both ready to get after it. And just, just you know, truly, truly disappointing way for that fight to finish. Um if you're Curtis Blades, yeah, okay, it's on your record as a TKO, but everybody knows it's on a win. An, accident, an accidental freak injury in the, in the cage isn't a win for the other person. It's just you know, how it's recorded. So, heck, man, it was super, super disappointing. But I was a little surprised to hear, you can tell me if maybe his tune has changed, Curtis Blades in the aftermath saying he doesn't want to fight Aspinall again. He just wants to move on and, and just keep his momentum going uh how do you feel about that if if uh if that's actually still still true from from the weekend
0: yeah i i think he reiterated that with ariel helwani today on the mma hour i saw the headline which is essentially what he said and you know we kind of cut it different ways with him in the post-fight scrum uh staying active running it back and he kind of said no look um He's essentially trying to shoot his shot and say strike while the iron is hot. He is a highly ranked guy. I think most people would put him top five, arguably top three in the heavyweight division. Remember, John Jones, technically speaking, isn't a heavyweight until he gets out there, right? So you consider the top three in the division. Most people cut it as Francis Stipe Curtis. You could make the argument Francis Stipe Cyril, but... You know, depending on how you see a fight with Cyril and Curtis, you might have Curtis ahead of Cyril gone. So, really, he I think he was just trying to capitalize on the fact that he's been in the game a while. He's fought some vets. He's beat some vets. He's lost a few. He's taken out some up-and-comers trying to move up. He probably feels like, you know, my time is now to put up or shut up and really make a run, really try to secure these fights. And... Well, I do believe he's aware that getting a Francis Ngannou a third time with everything else that could be possible for Francis probably isn't going to happen. I do think he knows that like, hey, I don't want to fight the five through six. Give me another top five guy, because if anything happens, I don't want people to be surprised when I sit out and wait for my spot to try to get a piece of championship gold, which I respect, But I do acknowledge that in the moment, it did feel, I'll use the word uncomfortable. Like, hey Curtis, technically you didn't have a fight and it's not your fault and I get that, but still, you know. Look, the fact is, who knows how long it takes Tom Aspinall to come back. I respect Curtis saying we are now no longer on a timetable and I feel sorry for him, it's not personal. But the fact is, he's not on that timetable anymore. And now he's locking it in saying, I'm not asking for a title shot, but I do know it should be me against whoever wins between Cyril and Ty coming up in about a a month and some change now.
1: You know, that's fair, especially because we don't know the extent of Tom's injury. And even if it's, you know, he dislocated his knee, that still takes time. Even if it's
0: quick, he probably isn't coming back till November, December.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that every month that, you know, his return gets pushed back or, you know, whatever the return is like, that's just more time off of Curtis's clock. And I, you know, initially I was, I was surprised to see that remark, but it makes perfect sense. It's not like this was a grudge match. It's not like they were halfway through a a bloody war. It was essentially a non fight. Uh, And so it's just like, well, let's just, let's just move on with our lives. And I'm totally okay with that because Curtis Blades has already been around for a minute, and I think he must feel the pressure to, to get stuff going for himself. Tom Aspinall still has time.
0: Also keep in mind, if he were to wait for Tom, hypothetically, he would now be off the timetable for the Cyril versus Ty winner. Yes, so of course. Yeah. That's another big part of it. He's trying to think a couple steps ahead, which I get. Once again, because it was a non-event, essentially, for him, not for the whole card, but I think we have that there. Um, I like that plan. I think... Look, considering what Francis Ngannou did, I think that it's on Cyril to hold back Ty. I think if Ty wins, suddenly things get interesting because, okay, where is Francis Ngannou? Where is John Jones? Where is Stipe? Suddenly, there's a lot of pieces that someone could sneak into very uh, feasibly. Could it be Curtis? Could it be Ty? Certainly. I think that if Cyril wins against Ty, suddenly Curtis has a better shot at a couple more options but for my money i think they're just gonna lock it in even if someone is delayed or what have you gets hurt i think that that, tri- that trio jones stipe and ganu they're all gonna wait for the big fight for Nganu, yeah. that could be the winner of a jones stipe that could be whoever wins that after he fights tyson fury There's a lot in the air, but we know guys are holding out because they know they have locked in a big money fight. It just depends on when. So I think Curtis versus whoever comes out of Ty and Cyril, it just makes sense. Nothing more to add.
1: Yep.
0: Um, uh, Look, Tom had a great reception. Um, Everyone knows they cheer for Patty the Batty, and we're going to talk about them and him and Molly, but to hear the fans you know tom had his own chant going at the o2 during weigh-ins it wasn't quite as prominent during the fight but i think that's just because he's his his own different vibe like even his walkout music which was chill i actually really liked his walkout but you could just see the disappointment not because like anything but just because their guy got hurt in the fans I, i look around and i see a lot of heads just kind of fall and just a lot of open gaping mouths at the result, and I felt bad you know and I know one for him Tom two for the fans knowing that this is their guy at home and yes obviously you've been a fan who pays a ticket and all that and you know you can imagine how you'd feel if your main event ended that way i completely get it so totally it was a really tough to see the room just kind of go quiet and acknowledge oh man that that just happened in 10 seconds 15 seconds it was tough mm-hmm. um it wasn't helped that the jack versus Cur- chris curtis fight was uh more slow look jack did what he had to do to win against chris curtis Remember, this is a very stylistically different opponent change compared to Darren Till. Both mentally and just tactically, you know, Darren just fights differently than Chris Curtis. He's built differently, tall, you know, height, length, speed, all of this. So I get why the fan and also I'm not going to lie. I felt it is completely accidental. He should get no ill will. But then Jack almost jinxed it because he, he, the fans start booing and he's like, guys, Tom Aspinall isn't going to let you down. And, oh. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I'm not going to say more. I don't need to. Right. Right. Anyway, so that happened. Jack Hermanson, uh, I think he's going to wait for somebody and they'll figure it out at middleweight. Where's Adesanya, Alex? Where's the Costa Rockhold winner? Where's the Whitaker Vittori winner? Um, we'll get there uh I felt, and I told many people they all agreed at some point during the week. Patty the batty was uh, i i said it this way: if Patty wins, nothing else that happens on Saturday matters if Patty loses nothing else that happens on saturday <laughs> matters and yeah. that, that, uh, and look um uh, i'll tell you right now the love in that building for him was real and i'll talk about the aftermath when we get to the aftermath but i could tell you that crowd i've been there for the connor fights i've been there for some of the other big ones and some of the other stars adesanya and guys like that volk brian ortega come to mind To tell you that these guys and and girls cheering at the O2 Arena were there to let him know that he had their support, I cannot... uh, You just can't describe it. It was like everyone, when they put their shirt and shoes on and packed up, they're saying, come on, we're going to go cheer on Patty. That's Mm -hmm. what it felt like being out there to watch that guy walk out. The chanting... All of it, I'll send you a video. It was just so wicked and crazy. It was it was just quite something. Um, the fight itself, I can't say it necessarily lived up to the drama. I think that it just felt like a slow paced fight. Patty's trying to do stuff, Jordan's trying to do stuff and really they're having some scrambles. They're trying to get things going but for the most part, Patty was trying to get in. Jordan was essentially trying to teep kick him backwards until he could change levels for a takedown there was a lot of clinching um and then paddy just finds the mark you know he he kind of clips him a little bit with the head kick in the first round i believe um a li- not enough time to do anything more of the same in the second round and then he catches him with more time to work follows him to the ground falls to the back starts doing his thing and gets the choke and let me tell you something that place went off <laughs> oh boy I was like I was waiting for it and had it been a more dramatic fight I think the energy would have been there but it's like fans kind of knew what their cue was Paddy walks out we're gonna go crazy Paddy wins we're gonna go crazy and so in that way uh it, it did deliver but um not the prettiest but the fact is he gets the win against a tougher opponent um just a good win for the baddie
1: yeah, I mean, he, so far his wins, and even, you know, Cage Warrior days, his wins are never, like, the prettiest. It, it's a little, there's a lot of uh, grappling skill and a lot of, like, brawling-type striking, but he, it doesn't matter. And that's sometimes when you look at some of the greatest fighters, you, you you have to take a step back and say, man, if I was their coach, you know, what, I would probably be telling them to change this and fix that and move this over here, but they're putting it all together in a way that works for them that's very effective and that's Patty as well. Uh, That submission was pretty sick, though, the way he held the arm down with his leg. I mean, Jordan Levitt had nothing. There was nothing he could do, and even, I think, who was was in the commentary? Bisping? Yep. uh, Was already saying, like, that's it. It's over. It's just a matter of, you know, time before the the arm gets under the chin, and that's it. I mean, with the arm trap, there was nothing that Jordan could do. Uh, And then, you know, he gets the finish, does the uh, quote-unquote squats over Jordan's head. (laughs) And, uh, you know, what I liked about that moment is that Jordan laughed. You could not laugh at that. They hugged it out. Oh, uh, But, yeah, the crowd's going crazy, man. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong, he's still not a ranked UFC fighter. Correct. And, and neither is Molly McCann. And, like, I I literally cannot think of any other fighter right now, you know, com- both of them separate or combined, yep. that is getting as much pop. It's just... Now, I know they're in their hometown and stuff, but, like, I can't think of anyone. If Conor McGregor were to come back, if Nate Diaz were to come back, or, you know, when he comes back. But nobody else is getting that love. And so, you know, UFC's probably most likely definitely not paying them their worth, but they're definitely delivering uh, in big ways. And so it's just, it's just crazy to think about what they are in the sport right now. Drake with a parlay winning three million dollars. Like, this the is the barstool
0: president literally is there, Union Jack bow tie with the paddy wig. Yeah, that's yeah. that's
1: who that's that's right. That's who that they, they were jumping into his arm. Let right? me tell you yeah, something I
0: mean, if you don't know, that is a very rich man in sports, yeah. <laughs> uh, quote, reporting and sports entertainment. I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, very big deal. They like just skyrocketed. And, you know, Molly's not riding Patty's coattails by any means, but, you know, he built up his audience first because he just had the ability to do that in Cage Warriors. But she completely came in and, and also is stealing the shows and, you know, the way she jumps in the cage when he wins and she carries him off on her shoulders. The whole thing is just, you know, you couldn't you couldn't ride it. Um, what I want to see from them is a little bit of more... Good matchmaking or for them right like let's mm-hmm. continue to match them up in very sensible ways so we can keep building this right don't put them in the cage with uh i don't know some killers Some ki- not, not quite yet. not yet not quite. They're you. they're gonna get there they're skilled but they're also and what is part of what makes them entertaining is they're they're brawlers right yep um so let's be patient, but gosh almighty, do they have a do they have something special?
0: They know how to put on a great show. Let's say like it is, and yeah, I, you know we've talked about it sometimes. Like okay, we talk about it when they match up MVP and Bellator. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to see someone try to wrestle MVP for freaking no. twenty five minutes? Exactly. And look, I get it that you can't exactly say you're the best if you can't stop those wrestlers, right? And uh, this and that. I, I that is completely fair. But I think that's the conundrum now of, uh, yes, uh, you're not going to get too far if you keep getting hit the way they do sometimes, right? I get it, for sure. You're not wrong. But now we have the conundrum, do you not want your entertainment? And it becomes a thing. Well, yes, I want to be entertained, but come on. I don't want to just give them gimmies and act like I'm getting excited for it. So it's a balance. But I also acknowledge you're completely right with what you're saying. They'll figure it out. I don't exactly know who's next. I know Miranda Maverick really wants to fight with Molly McCann. And uh, yeah, I might have asked a couple questions and I could, you know, people heard the answers on social media and reels and yeah. all that good stuff. Um, look, I think that there's fights for them both. I don't know about. Okay, eventually their opponents are going to be like, no, 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 you fight on my timetable. I don't care that you want to fight on the same night as Patty or Molly, you know? Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, I don't know about pay-per-views and all that, but certainly... uh, I'm just saying this. I don't know if the effect will be there at this magnitude outside of the United Kingdom. I'm not saying they won't be popular, and I'm not saying they won't get a good pop, but... When I tell you that, like I said, when people laced up their shoes, they knew who they were walking out to go cheer for when they left their house to come to O2. And finally on that, Natalie, I got to let you know, if I could encapsulate what it was like, like what is the difference compared to when you go to UFC, like United States or some of the other ones, even big fights, like I said. So Molly and Patty are both from... Liverpool, which, right. by the way, for those who don't know, is four hours north of London. So, it's not next... It's like Southern California, Northern California. They're not necessarily next-door neighbors. It's almost like a completely different part of the country, right? It's mm-hmm. a, yeah, I mean, it's not technically. It is. Um, they played this song, and I found out after the fact. It's, I guess, the theme... For the Liverpool soccer team. The football club over there. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you. This arena. They played it after uh, Patty won. Like they're in between fights. And this whole arena. Just starts singing with it. Like it's karaoke night. Wow! I'm not saying they were on key. Or all that clip. (laughs) But they weren't like drunk singing. Like oh I'm trying my best. No it was. They were just vibing to the music. And all of them. Floor seats to the nosebleeds were singing it. I got chills. It was just such a vibe. I almost wanted to stay out there. I I wanted to sing and I didn't know the words. (laughs) Everyone was just together on this vibe. And I'm like, you don't get that when Volk beats uh, Ortega or Holloway in the United States. It just doesn't happen. So to feel that energy from that arena for them at home in the United Kingdom. I think that encapsulates just how much passion there is when they get behind people over there. And yeah, the hype was real. And you have to be there to experience it. It's really a real thing. Like, I watched the broadcast back today and they had to commentate over it but you can hear the crowd singing on the broadcast and I'm like, Paul Felder, Mike, you guys could talk in five minutes. You guys are missing something really cool yeah. <laughs> right now in the arena. But anyway, it is what it is. Um, we could talk a lot more London. I could tell you all about London, but I think fans will appreciate if I just say that for off the air. Um, the UFC chose the week we're off to essentially announce everything and anything they could, apparently. So we're going to... Try to let him marinate, but let's be honest. We kind of got to fly through a lot of this stuff. So um, the earliest one, the one taking place chronologically, Hamza Shemaev will be taking on Nate Diaz, UFC 279, September 10th, T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, pay-per-view, five rounds. Um, you know who Hamzad is. He's coming off the war with Gilbert Burns in April. Um, Nate, I mean, we kind of talked about nate a bit he just he wants out this is the last fight on his ufc contract he's been with the ufc since oh six oh seven ish i want to say was when his ultimate fighter season aired um uh look won some lost some fought for the title most people will tell you nate will probably best be known for that attitude and for being the guy who stopped the hype of conor mcgregor in 2016 and they are putting them together for the a pay-per-view headliner. So, Natalie, here's what I will say I appreciate. Hamzat by himself is a big deal. Nate by himself is a big deal. Hamzat versus Nate together should, on paper, be a big deal. What I will say, uh, fans, I believe, who... Uh, you don't even have to be a hardcore fan. You can be a casual fan... And be up to date on what's been going on with Hamzat and Nate. You've seen Hamzat rip through some guys. You've seen Hamzat and Gilbert beat the daylight out of each other. And you know that Nate, since he beat Connor, hasn't exactly lit up high-level guys. He got he was out a couple years, beat Anthony Pettis, essentially took the damage from Jorge until the doctor called it got beat up by Leon Edwards about two years later before he almost got him. But the fact is, that was 24 minutes of all Leon Edwards. Now it's been about another year layoff, and now he's coming in to fight an opponent who can wrestle. But let's be honest, most people are going to talk about the fact that he is bigger and badder, and at this stage of his career is probably built to literally be the wolf who chews on uh whatever wolves eat out there the deer and the bucks and all that in the mountains
1: all the vulnerable creatures of the world and they
0: are asking fans forget what you have seen with your own eyes the last few years just show up and pay your hard-earned money for the hype do you agree or am i oversimplifying this
1: no no that's exactly what this is right it's hype and faith uh you know, you're going to get amped up, you know, you're going to get riled up, excited watching Nate Diaz do his thing in, in the marketing world, you know, with the press conference, the embedded, the countdowns, just hearing him talk. That's what people want to see. Kamzad's probably going to have a couple of good zingers here and there. So, so that's part of what you're paying for, right? Yeah. Even though a lot of people, and even though nobody has to actually pay to see that content. Yes. But that's part of it. Uh, then there's faith that that what Nate Diaz almost did to Leon Edwards could happen again. But maybe he'll get to do it sooner, and and maybe he'll actually succeed in winning or getting closer to winning. Like, I don't think anyone watching, you know, paying or accessing this pay per view, however they may, is expecting necessarily that Nate Diaz is going to come out and beat this guy up the way he did. Conor McGregor won, right? You're going to get a brawl... You're going to get a war, excuse me. They're going to brawl. There's going to be antics in the cage. You know, someone's going to throw the flip the bird. Someone's going to do something crazy. It may not go to five rounds, but you're going to get your money's worth. Guaranteed. The part of me that I... And I think this is what you're alluding to, is that as a fan of Nate Diaz, you don't want to see him get just mauled by someone who has the capability to do that. Um... But I also think, on the other side of it, how happy he's going to be to finally be done with his UFC contract, right? He's not making it, He's not making any bones about hiding that. And so for that reason, I'm thinking, you know what? You know, screw it, right? If I'm him, I'm saying screw it. Let's go. Let me just fight this guy. I love to fight. Yeah, maybe I'll win, maybe I won't. But I'll, I'll be in a good fight. I'll make a lot of money, and then I'll be free. And my name is still going to be super valuable. And that's, that's where I end up on this.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think to me, it's just, (sighs) if you're a paying fan, you're essentially paying for the hype. You're not paying for the contest. And I believe that's always been a very, that's a very difficult thing to try to sell. Because like you said, you don't have to pay to hear the hype. You don't have to pay to hear the talk and watch the talk and all of that. So in other words, what are you paying for? You're paying for this payoff and it will be, look, remember, Nate's kind of over it. I kind of feel yeah. like Nate's going to be like, well, I'm going to get him. What's up?
1: Yeah.
0: That's it? You know, that's the effect I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, I right, saw right. S- someone that's retweeted, like, there was this boxing fight televised. It looks like they're at a big-ish venue. The bell rings, and this boxer goes from the center of the r- of the ring to literally just walks out calmly out of his corner. And, you know, the fight is over. And they're like, w- imagine if Nate Diaz just does that, just as his final <laughs> flip to the UFC. And I was like, dude, I.
1: That would be amazing because he would get injured. <laughs> it low key feels possible.
0: It low key feels possible. That's I don't yeah, have another except, way to say like, it.
1: You know, you know. Then are you risking your your marketability to other promotions? No, because everyone knows it's just a big middle finger to the UFC, everyone and he would never why. do that. Yeah, he would Mind never you, do that.
0: They know why it would. I don't. Freaking Nate Diaz's grandkids will be paying the UFC money if he did that. <laughs> anyway, oh,
1: yeah. do you get do you what, what kind of penalize? Uh, what kind of what kind of trouble do you get in if you just walk out
0: of? The we cage? will find out. Trust me. Oh man. Our our kids will be talking about. Did you see Nate's grandkid had to pay this much this month to the UFC on the anniversary? <laughs> no, but um. <laughs> uh, so look, you have that. They're still building the undercard, but I will say because of how it looks to be stacked at later in the year i don't really think they have i think they're really, they're really banking on the two of them i don't they're not going to have a lot of firepower on the undercard so it's really now oh man let's just say this when we get to september we're going to say fans are going to be all in on the main event and we're essentially going to say, look, we're taking the train to crazy town. We don't know if we're going to make it back, but we know we're going. And that's just going to be the end of that. Yeah, um, look, much. um, we could talk X's and O's. We could talk about talk and mentality and this and that. We'll we'll do that at another time. But the fact is, certainly one of the more interesting pay-per-view main events we've seen in years. Um, The one that people don't have to complain about... When they tune in, UFC 280. This one taking place October. Oh my gosh, I just wrote it down. I believe it. Yes, October 22nd. 22nd the Abu Dhabi pay per view. Remember, they announced they were going back to Abu Dhabi in like March. And we were like, dude, they are just letting people know way ahead of time we're going.
1: Save your money for your ticket.
0: And this was why. So, in the last week, mind you, this is what happens when you miss a show, you see? Charles Oliveira vs. Islam Mahachev for the lightweight title. I forgot to write this down, but this one moved from the September pay-per-view to be on this card. Aljamain Sterling vs. TJ Dillashaw. Bantamweight title in the co-main. And then you have Peter Yan taking on Sean O'Malley. Bilal Mohamed taking on Sean Brady. And Benilder Dariush taking on Matus Gamrot. That freaking 5-6 pack pay-per-view... ESPN prelim headliner is absolutely ridiculous that is easily the best six fight um just package that I think that we've had all year you could argue it's the best set of anything we've seen in the last like 2 years i think maybe the um the UFC Tony versus uh, Gaethje, like the first pandemic event. That might be the only one keeping oh, yeah. up with them.
1: With Cejudo and Cruz, yeah. Yes, it
0: was that one was ridiculous too. But you look at those six fights and just the level of MMA between everybody. I, I mean, what are your thoughts? What do you want to talk about? Pick something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean O'Malley getting the big, the big jump up. Uh, especially considering the way his fight ended this is clearly another case of you're just good at you know you're just a good hype man because there wasn't enough for me to for anyone to see to say like oh yeah you're ready for the big boys at not not the big boys a former champion you know the ice man you know, not not Chuck Liddell but this guy that makes me think of you know Terminators ice cold this is the most surprising one to me uh Aljamain or, sorry, TJ getting the title shot, also very surprising, but um, it's kind of like, you know, I think Aljo, I think Aljo as champion, you want to match him up with the bigger names, the bigger names you can, and so TJ Gillespie just slots right in there nicely. But O'Malley getting this one against Piotr Jan, it's kind of a win win for O'Malley because he gets to show what he can do against someone like Piotr Jan. And he gets, you know, exposure, uh, bigger exposure. He gets more attention. He can build his brand more. So even if he loses the fight, so long as he puts on a good showing, uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna be a a boom for him. Uh, that's Charles Oliveira Islam Makachev. You know, I'm not trying to bury the lead there, but that's that's also a crazy fight.
0: <laughs> I put that. I think that was like my number three or number two fight to be made this year. Yeah. And I say and I, I said that before Charles fought um Gaethje. That's, That's right. how big I thought it would be is that if they pass their test to get to that fight, it'll be ridiculous. Um Charles and just his renaissance as a fighter. Um Islam and everything, you know, Habib, Father's Plan, all this. Oh gosh. Uh, dude, and you know, just the sheer Idea that Charles Oliveira could honestly go out there let's just say hypothetically puts him down chokes him out stands over Islam's unconscious body flexes at Habib does the belt thing with his hands in Abu Dhabi and you're telling me Habib ain't gonna come back you're telling me Habib's just gonna sit there and say okay
1: brother no <laughs> he's not he's okay. gonna say uh, call my someone call my mom so I can tell oh, her his I'm mom
0: going. will call him Herself, <laughs> Habib, you're gonna just let him do that to the family. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Look, uh, this is me getting a little in my emotions, but you know what I mean. It's just you know what the scenes could look like, and it is yeah. that it just that alone makes you hyped. And then, compared to, for example, what we just said about Nate and Hamzat, the fight itself, the skill level and offensive weapons on both of them. The win streaks, the hype, what more? Like, say less. Say less. I don't need more.
1: You yeah. Know. Uh,
0: look, all the fights are matched well. Uh, Benil versus Gamrot. I mean, come on. I mean, that Benil, that's gangster taking a yeah. dude like that. Uh, Peter and Sean, just the contrast of personalities and then the yes. contrast of styles. And then Sean Brady's no joke. Bilal Muhammad's on a run. That's a big risk fight for both of them, too. Uh we didn't t- I didn't write it Marina Rodriguez against Amanda Lemos. Remember okay. Marina? She was probably pushing to fight Rosa Eunice, I'd imagine. Um all of this just is great. Great action. Sign me up. Can't get can't get here soon enough. So, I'm hyped about that. Is it so, uh, I'm looking at ahead. your
1: notes here. Is it about airing on free TV? Is that a real possibility?
0: That is a possibility. I really don't know. I would be shocked, but then you know, people say bad things about the UFC every now and then. Stop it. If they <laughs> put that on free TV, I don't wanna hear it that I mean, day. It's not that day I'm
1: like, okay. <laughs> remember, yeah. re-
0: remember the last Abu Dhabi numbered event was in pay per view, right? And that had two titles and all that too. Right,
1: that's so right.
0: We will they find must
1: have out. Some kind of deal that they have with like they wanna It's probably something like Abu Dhabi wants to like get as much eyeballs in the U.S. to show how.
0: Imagine that on ABC. Imagine that on ABC. As long as
1: it's prime time. I don't like this, uh, you know, ABC 12 p.m. followed by infomercials thing. It's going to be that. Come on. (laughs) I know the time. The and earth, Everything
0: time always happens on anyway. Yeah, stop complaining!
1: Right. It's you on free TV. Stop complaining! Yes, you it are. For free. I'll take it for free. I'll yes. tell my mom to watch. And, <laughs> you gotta and... <laughs> stop complaining
0: right now! Shoot.
1: Sorry.
0: If any, I would like I said. If you, if a fan asked me, like after, knowing what I know now, if I, they told me which card should I save my money for, I would tell them this one. More than the April one with Alex and Zombie, more than yeah. two seventy six just now without Asanya and them. This top to bottom is so bananas. So, I would say hold your money for that if you are. Yeah, uh, we're gonna fly through it. We didn't talk about it, but Yair versus Brian. Um, I I actually thought Yair. We got a little more to watch, but he did really well against Ortega. Obviously, we're going back a bit, but. Um, Look, they were still going. There was still a lot of fight to be had. Um, Riair goes for the arm bar and just kind of pretty much locks Brian's arm a bit. So the shoulder, all the tension goes on it. Not to. I think people forget this. Brian Ortega has had surgery on that shoulder. I think that kind of got slept on in the discussion. He has injured that before. I want to say multiple times, but for sure at least once. Seriously. Yeah. And so, look, he dislocates it. The fight stops in the first round. Um, very disappointing because obviously we knew what a big deal that was for the division, for Yair. And just in general, it was set to be a good fight. Um, obviously, heal up. But now that you know Charles is going to 155, Alex said it's about 12 weeks-ish for his broken hands to recover. Then he can train if everything goes picture perfect. So, obviously, you know, let's add some time to that for sure. What does this mean for 145? And I'll just say it simply so we can move on to breakdowns. Do you believe we will see Alex actually fight Yair or Josh? And I'd like to know who you think. Or do you think we'll see an interim and Yair just fights Josh for an interim title? Regardless of whether... Alex fights them next or Alex maybe has a 155 fight.
1: I think we see Rodriguez Emmett Interim because Volkanovski I suspect feels like he's already conquered the best at 145. This is the second round that's coming up to the top and if I'm him, I'm going to go dip my toe at 155 after my hand heals and then come back to defend 145, let them sort themselves out while I go, you know, double champ status on hunting for double champ status. So interim. Yeah, you're Josh.
0: Alright, uh that that's very fair. I think my only thing is the calendar, how it all plays out. So let's say okay, so let's say hypothetically, Charles goes out there, first round subs Islam, right? You know, craziness. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wanna stay active, I'll fight somebody in April. Alright, Volkanovsky in April. Not the best with the layoff, but okay, you know, it could be worse. He has the broken hand, heels, good condition, whatever. You do an interim title fight, but what if you have, let's say it's Charles. What if Habib says he's down to come back? What happens to Alex then? Like, are you still going to wait? And and I guess that would be my thing. To your credit, I think they're going to do an interim title either way, even if Alex stays at 45 for the next one. So let's say for whatever reason, he's not on the lightweight champions timetable after October. I think that it still makes it more hyped to have an interim champion. And then all everything else we always like about it. The two belts on the poster look cool. You could kind of mess with that a little bit. Everyone knows you're not the champ till you beat Volk. But yeah, for my credit, they're going to do an interim if for nothing else to make it seem like a bigger fight, because really, when you see what Alex has now done to both Zombie and Max Holloway, I'm sorry, but you're going to really need to sell me on his next guy at 45, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that having the title, even if you know it's not real until they fight Volk, I think it just helps, as opposed to, let's just say they give him Yair or Josh straight up. I think that's the only way to explain it.
1: Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Let let these other guys put on a show and show us how put on a show, let us see why they deserve the title shot and then and then yeah, you can get you can get to Volk because he unlike Valentina Shevchenko where it's like just conveyor belt feed feed her over his necks. For Volk I think because of what he's already done to Max three times, to Ortega, to zombie like he's done it already. He's at the top and he's like hovering above the division, so let them let them you know vet themselves out and then and then he can come back in
0: yeah that's very fair but like i said i mean i'm waiting for it just we all know that he's due for a big fight too and it's just Mm -hmm. about timing uh lauren murphy gets the job done she kind of routes misha tate in that first fight of the night or first fight of the main card i believe for uh new york and long island does this pretty much lock up the whole thing with um, Chukagian and Fyoto? For If Manon wins, i got to think she's the next uh, title challenger. What about you?
1: Yes, I think if she wins, that's next for Shevchenko. If Chukagian wins, I mean, the good thing there is that uh, Ch- uh, Shevchenko beat Chukagian pretty handily. And so, um, meaning it, it wasn't like a long, drawn-out, five-round snooze fest. Um, and so if, if it's Chukeyan who wins, they might still give her um, a title shot against Shevchenko, but uh, it, it really is ideal for someone new to go in against Shevchenko. You don't want to keep seeing repeats in, in this division. And so, you know, too bad for Misha Tate not being able to beat Lauren Murphy because that would have been a great matchup, just throw her into the fire with Shevchenko. Uh, but, you know, Laurie Murphy is just a better striker, a better boxer, and she did what she did. And Manon, you know, again, it, 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 Chukagian, you know, she, Chukagian looks really good on paper. or, or Meaning if, if you just have her stand in place and throw a kick, throw a punch, it's like executed beautifully. But the speed at which it all gets put together in the cage leaves a little bit to be desired. And so that's part of why I don't want to see her against Shevchenko again, apart from the fact that she got handily, you know, crucifixed. Uh, so anyone new is good for me. And so I'm hoping that Manon wins just to keep, to keep preserving the legacy of Shevchenko.
0: Why has it got to be like that? <laughs> 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 no. Okay. Well, so here's my thing. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Go ahead. I'm done.
1: I'm done. I'm done. Go for uh, it.
0: Uh, so to give you that, so look, obviously and wins, that kind of locks it in. It should be Chukagian, if we're being honest, if Caitlyn wins. However, I'm going to dark horse it. You have Alexa Grosso fighting in about two weeks, three weeks. three. It should be three. Three events. One, two. She's competing on the third one in San Diego against Viviani Araujo. If Alexa... And let's be honest. Viviani, too. She's probably in the running if she beats Alexa. You... If Caitlyn wins... But then Alexa or Viviani look good in their fight coming out of that. I could see that person jumping over Caitlyn for Valentina. Valentina's just looking to stay active. I don't think she will because I think the broken foot and all that has left some cause for concern. Remember, we talked about it. She acknowledged it. She was hurt. She was not herself in the Tyler Santos fight. That doesn't mean that she didn't, you know... Let's be honest, things kind of went her way a little bit there with Mm -hmm. the... The eye and the swelling. But the fact is, look, I will acknowledge, though, we could have seen a better Valentina. Part of that was maybe the foot, too. Okay. Now, in that scenario, I could see Alexa or Viviani jumping over Caitlyn. But if Manon wins, I think everyone's pretty much circle Manon. I think even the hardcore fans are like, we don't know much, but we know this girl who hasn't gotten too many fights is the next one up if she does this. So... And I think UFC sees that, and they have a perfect opportunity with her in Paris. So, there we go.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and now the piece de resistance, <laughs> the pay-per-view. <laughs> anyway, here we go. UFC 277. Let's start with the co-main: Brandon Moreno, Kai Car France. Two. This one's a rematch from their fight in 2019. I just watched it back. I think people forget how close that one was. That could have yeah. gone to Kai. Brandon got the win Um, very similar to a lot of what uh, I'll say this they're not drastically different I think they've just become better versions of the guys they were that night and what I mean by that Brandon didn't really look to grapple that much but he really did a good job you could tell he was just a little more explosive heavier hands when he hit Kai they just seemed to do a little more damage And Kai, you really, I think, in the first fight and since then, you've seen just all of that time and work that City Kickboxing has put into developing him. Very, even though he doesn't have that one-shot power, and I say this respectfully, he's not exactly lightning fast for Mm -hmm. a flyweight, even by flyweight standards. So, but what he does make up for, very good eyes, very good at managing the distance, Very multifaceted skill set. He knows how to string his punches and kicks together. He doesn't just leave them one by one. He knows how to get into the right position defensively, move the way he needs to. And I think that goes under the radar because you have these really fast or really dynamic guys. And similar to Caitlin Chikagan, like we just talked about, he's just so good at everything. It's just not this blinding lights out performance. It's very rarely like that for Kai. Which Mm -hmm. is fine. Against a guy like Brandon, he always has the grappling in the back pocket. But one of the things I find very interesting is that he's gotten so much more comfortable with his hands and on the feet. We know now he's very well conditioned for five rounds. And really, I think the only X factor is what approach does he take after he spent a lot of time, for example, prepping with James Krause and them in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. uh, Yeah, so. Yeah. What impact does that have on the guy that we already saw win the title? And let's be honest, have a very competitive one with Davison back in January. And from there, I'll toss it to you.
1: Yeah, I am curious to see how he, what changes we'll see. Or, you know, was it just that he wanted fresh looks? Because that's what he says in the I think it's the countdown, that he already, you know, sparred with all the, 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 the fighters in his gym and, and TJ and that, he knew exactly what they were going to do, no surprises. And so I think mentally he just needed to, to have a, a different look. And so I don't know how much of it was that he needed a coaching change versus just the day-to-day grind, you know, change in the training camp. And so hopefully that gives him the the edge the, that he needs to, to beat Kai France. You know, I really, really love Brandon Moreno. He's such a cool fighter, such a cool dude. He's just tough and he's game. He's there to brawl. He's there to to beat you any way he can, but he he'll happily stand there and bang and his boxing is just beautiful. That Mexican style boxing, those combinations, the movement at the waist. I love it, man. I just I'm a huge fan. For me, Kai, he, he yeah, he's he's not um as slick or as fast with his hands, but I still appreciate that he throws bombs. He throws with intention. And he's also there, you know, happy to, to to get in there to have a little scrap. Not not the whole fight, but he's he's game. So I'm looking forward to this. It's crazy how much Brandon Moreno has been fighting recently and at the highest level, the biggest stage for all the you know, with with everything on the line, fighting for the belt like three times, those are his last three fights, like that's bananas. And then this is the fourth, I think, unless I got my math wrong by one. Um it's crazy. So you have to have the right mentality to stay focused, to not succumb to the pressure. And I think Brandon has what it takes to do that. So I, I don't know if he's going to finish Kai. I suspect he can. Um, but even if we go to five rounds, it's going to be a really exciting fight. Um, I'll go ahead and make my pick now, even though I just said it could go to five rounds. I think Brandon will get it done earlier. Uh, I think it's gonna be a round four submission. I'm gonna say a rear naked choke, Brandon Moreno.
0: Uh I, I like that. I think um I I, I agree. I think Brand I think that the changes for Brandon like I don't think he's forgotten how to grapple. I just think he's in a very if it's not broke don't fix it. Yeah. And even against Davison, that was a really competitive fight and um, I would like to see him incorporate more wrestling just because I think it would make him a more dangerous athlete and fighter overall to Kai's credit I think that Kai has the tools to win this too and I think that you should really not be surprised if he goes out there and really stifles Brandon and you know just keeps him from really getting the train going with his momentum and his volume because I think that was the biggest thing he's just become such a much higher volume striker as Brandon I think, though, it's going to come down to the grappling, slowing down Kai, making him feel the, I think, the size of Moreno, for example. I think all of that would start to take an effect if he's able to implement that. For Kai Carr, France, I think you got to mention his motivation. Came into the UFC on a great win streak, put him together, and then he had some setbacks. You know, he runs into... Brandon, he does run into Brandon Roival in 2020 and suddenly it's like, hey, you know, the big guys at City Kickboxing, they're doing well. You're not there yet. And uh-huh. I do, you know, he's a younger contender. Now he's there. Now he's knocked out Cody. Now he beat the previously unbeaten Askar Askarov. Now we're talking about, you know, Kaikar friends being serious. This is his moment and he knows that. And I think that's going to make for a very fun fight. We know Brandon, you're kind of his biggest worry for us as a spectator. Is he thinking too much about Figueredo number four? Because you know that could be coming. Uh-huh. I don't know. But I think that you're going to find that out when they get out there and they really have to test each other on Saturday. And I think that's what makes it fun. I do favor Moreno's game, so I'm with you there. But it just makes for such a fun fight. So, But I'm actually going to go decision. I think okay. Car France ain't going to get taken out. He's not going to let it happen. It's not. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, the rematch. All right. L- let me say this again. The other rematch. The other rematch. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena. Um, I know that Amanda's not as famous as Ronda. But when you talk about how good she is as a fighter, Juliana's victory over Amanda is bigger than Holly Holm over Rhonda. If you know if you know you know.
1: Right. And
0: right. in MMA we know.
1: Right, yes sir.
0: Um look, uh the X factor Amanda Nunes, we have questions now. Was having COVID last year uh, per her um per her statement part of it is father time catching up is her motivation the same? She's done everything. She's a mom now. Does she get after it quite like she used to? Only she knows that. The American top team, she's left them. Now she's got her private coach in a private facility. Uh, All of that stuff. For Juliana Pena, we said it, I said it. She wasn't on this great win streak going into the fight. She has certainly enjoyed the limelight since then. She's on Ellen, Coach Tough. They do the Zip Recruiter commercial with her. All this other stuff. She's done the media rounds. She's really, you know, she's embraced it. She said, I won the fight. I'm the girl to beat now. Okay. You're still talking about Amanda Nunes. And you're talking about Juliana Pena, who in that first round wasn't really looking like this world beater she had hyped herself up as. She got there in the second, not in the first. Now we have this interesting fight because now it's so much more on the line, obviously for Amanda, the redemption, obviously for Juliana. You really can usher in a new era. You get this done again in the the way you did. So, what didn't we see in the first fight? You never really saw Juliana come close to getting her grappling going, getting her wrestling and going for takedowns. If anything, when it was on the ground, it was all Amanda. So I think pursuing more of that, we didn't get to see it. That's probably her biggest X factor on her side. I know she won the brawl the last time. I would not recommend trying to go for a brawl a second time. Then, if you're Amanda Nunes, I think the biggest thing, you were winning that fight until you weren't. Part of that, I felt she kind of fell into this trap that guys like Aaron Pico have, guys like uh, Cody Garbrandt have. She got rocked, and she kind of just looked to bail herself out in the brawl, throwing heavy power. And yes, maybe she felt like she did have reason to be confident in that. But I actually felt like that's where it really went off the rails. You kind of feel like if she could clinch, slow her down, get her feet back. You could probably get this train back on the tracks. She didn't. She chose to brawl, and I felt like that's where it got worse for her in the fight with Juliana. So patience, I think discipline. I think looking for your own takedowns because you already proved that she couldn't hang with you before. If you've really been working hard, you should look for that position again. And I think that's just where we go from there. I think that everything else, the tough stuff and all that, I think it's all just noise. I think that it's really going to come down to what do you execute when you get back out there? There's more questions for Amanda because she wasn't able to do it last time, but there are questions for Juliana. Did you get off the hook a little bit or did you really outlast her the way that you're saying you did? Let's find out.
1: Yeah, man. You know, I'm actually pretty darn excited to see how this shakes out. I don't think anybody saw Juliana Pena coming because – she makes a lot of noise, but the the activity has been so, um, uh, like, just off-centered, right? She she fought a couple of times, then she got injured. Then she came back, and then she lost. And, you know, it's just erratic, and so it's not the kind of trajectory that you would have expected for someone that's going to come to fight a man and beat her. So came a little bit out of left field, I think, if, even for MMA fans who are in the know. And the shock of her beating Nunez, not only finding a way to beat her, but the way that Nunez was defeated with punches, taken down, submitted with the legs not even around the you know the the no body lock, just just arms. Okay, that was a great moment. And I like what you said about you know how Nunez received those punches and thought she could maybe just power her way back against them. It it it's right. It's like Cody and it's like um, Aaron Pico. Also made me think of DC against Stipe, right? I remember Stipe is nailing him with these body shots, and DC just keeps moving forward because he thinks he's going to land that next shot that's going to knock Stipe out, but it doesn't. He ends up getting so hurt by the body shots, he gets beaten up and, and TKO'd. So that's something you can be sure Amanda Nunes will not air. Uh, well, she's not going to make that mistake again. She absolutely will not stand there and get punched. I think we might even see an overly patient Amanda Nunez who's not trying to prove a point that she's the better fighter, the better, you know, that she's the better, like, um, powerful, slick fighter. She's going to just try and win her belt back, and she's going to do whatever it takes to do that. And I think patience will end up making this not the most exciting fight. I think Nunez is going to do a lot of circling the cage, a lot of, you know, staying a a lot of side shuffling just anything she can to to keep that distance and then and then just win on points and so it's going to be up to Pena to get in there get hit to hurt get hit to hit back right and I think if anyone can do it and if anyone's willing to do it it's Juliana Pena she's a savage for better or for worse she's a savage and she wants to really prove to everybody that this isn't, you know, the curse of the bantamweights who win one, win the belt and then immediately lose it. Right? Holly Holm beats Ronda, Misha Tate beats beats Holly Holm, Nunes beats Misha Tate and then M- Nunez carries it on until now. Pena doesn't want to be on the other side of that of that stat. So I think she's going to give it her all. I think she's going to eat a lot of punches coming in trying to hurt Nunez. Uh, this is where it gets tricky because I think Nunes is going to be fighting supremely intelligently to the point of being boring. And Pena's going to have to get really nasty, really dirty, and get herself really hurt to find a way to win this. And I don't know if she can do it, but I'm going to go ahead and just uh, Hail Mary this one and say Pena is going to win. Submission submission round 4 no yeah. round 5 submission round 5
0: get the stoppage again after going through the fire yeah, but it's
1: going to be a, it's going to be a war and she's just it's just going to be you know not even who's who has more energy it's just going to be who has more heart and i think peña against nunez I, I just it's just the feeling i have i think peña against nunez will always have more heart that's just how i feel in my gut
0: I will raise that. I think that Nunez is going to go full Al Jermaine versus Peter Yan too. <laughs> it wasn't too bad the last time. Going to come back even smarter, use the weapons she's capable of. I think she's going to look for some wrestling. I think she's going to be more patient like you said. She had the better weapons last time. She's going to use them better this time. And I think that's how she's going to get the win. I'm going to go. I'm going to go first round KO.
1: Whoa, wow, wow.
0: (laughs) She's going to, the lion is going to roar on Saturday in Dallas. I said it. I'm going to not add more. Mic drop. There we go. (laughs) Next week's week's episode, UFC goes back to Las Vegas. Tiago Santos versus Jamal Hill. Let me just tell you something. Someone's going to sleep in that fight. (laughs) Nothing more to add. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, no, you're good. You said it.
0: Yeah, and not for nothing, the finals of the Ultimate Fighter. Check out my interview, talk with Flyweight Finalist Juliana Miller, talked about uh just everything, the drama on the show that you saw, the drama you didn't see, the fight with Brogan Walker, the fight with Katniss, the fight with Claire Guthrie, all of that. You guys are not gonna wanna miss it at Double G on TV. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.